Every community has one. A place where people gather, talk about the news and events, trade some opinions, and, if we're honest, a little bit of gossip. Maybe it's a diner, or a coffee shop, maybe a gas station. It could even be all three. Every community has one. And we would have to imagine there have always been places like this. So in my uh, sacred imagination, I have to believe there was a place kind of like the country junction in Philippi. People haven't changed, and one of the disservices we do for ourselves when we read the Bible is to forget that they were people just like us. The letter to the Philippians, it's a beautiful letter. You've seen that. It's full of joy. It's written to people that Paul held in his heart. But it's not without a little bit of controversy. Towards the end of the letter, Paul has to address this conflict that's happening in the church between two ladies named Yodia and Syntyche, or we might think of them as Eunice and Cindy. <laughs> Paul writes, I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. And yes, I ask you, true companion, help these women who labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about such things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So what did, what did the conversation down at the coffee shop sound like on the Monday morning after that letter was read to the Philippian church? What gossip did they exchange that morning? And how did they take Paul's call to help these two women agree? How did they take that seriously? This is one of those passages where it might help us to understand what Paul is saying if we put ourselves in their shoes. And so today, <laughs> I present you with the Ballad of Eunice and Cindy. <laughs> you know who parked that big red camel out there? There's a big red camel parked out there. Someone has taken up two spots. I had to park my little donkey in half a spot. Who's camel? Baker? The baker? The guy that baker? Oh, Baker! He got another new camel? D didn't he just get a new camel a couple weeks ago? I, okay, well, I, I sure hope I don't scratch his camel up when I go out there and I, I have to move my donkey. Well, hey, good morning. How y'all doing? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I see you like to come down here and drink some of this hot black drink that they bring in here. I, I don't know what they call it. I, I hear they get it from Africa, this hot black drink. <laughs> it makes me kind of cough. Yeah, I said it makes me kind of coffee. I don't know what they call it, but 
But I think it'd be really good. I think if you put a little honey in there, sweeten it up a little bit, and maybe a couple of tugs off of that goat out there, you know, get a little milk in there. I think it'd be really good. I think it'd be even good if you frothed the milk up a little bit and maybe shaved a little cinnamon on top. I think you'd really have something good if you had something like that. So how's your weekend? Well, mine was good. Mine was really good. We go down. We were we were down at the church last the, yesterday. Yesterday on Sunday, we went down to the church. No, we don't. We don't go to the Roman temple no more. We quit. We quit going to the Roman temple. We go to the church where we worship Jesus. Jesus is the Messiah. It, no, that's not a Jewish thing no more. Anybody can worship Jesus as the Messiah. Anyway, we've been going there for the last year or two. Now, every Sunday morning, they have this wonderful time together down there at the church. We call it the Lord's Day. And we all get together, and they have a feast. They call it the Love Feast. Oh, it's really, they got a big spread down there. Everybody comes. And, and the other day at the, at the Lord's Feast, I made, this, I made this chicken, and you put it on flatbread, and then you, you put some cheese on it, you fold it over, and it's not because you can take it with you. I call it a takeo. You can take it with you wherever you go. Anyway, we have this love feast, and then there's always some singing. They get up and they do some singing, and, and then they read the scriptures, and there's this one fella that gets up and he preaches to us. He shares a word from the Lord. And I got to tell you, he is so distinguished looking with this beautiful gray beard that he's got, and he is so good. He's so good to listen to. But yesterday, in, in, instead of him preaching yesterday, Yesterday, they had a letter that they read from the Apostle Paul. Now, the Apostle Paul is one of the fellows that started that church here in Philippi a few years ago. Let's see, it was him, and it was, it was that lady that sells the purple cloth. She's the one of them that started it. And then it was, oh, that, that, that slave girl that used to read your fortune down in the marketplace. She was in on it. And let me think. Oh, the jailer. The jailer and his wife. They were all starting. They started the church a few years ago. It's kind of funny when I think about it because when they started that church, Paul had gotten himself thrown in jail here in Philippi. And well, yesterday they read a letter from the Apostle Paul, and you know what? He's done gone and got himself thrown in prison. And I, I got to tell you, I don't, know what he's, I don't know what he's done, but you don't get thrown in prison for nothing. He had to have done something. You know, that's the way I see it. He, just, he had to have done something. But anyway, they read this letter because we had, we had sent him some help and we would sent him some money and one of our friends had gone to help him out a little bit. And, and, and so they got up yesterday morning and they read this letter from Paul to us. Oh, and it was so nice. It was all encouraging. And he was thanking us about the help that we'd sent him. And he's telling us how thankful he was even in prison. He, he was even kind of joyful from prison, if you know what I mean. This is a really nice letter, but then, well, then it got, it got kind of personal in the letter. He, he started sneaking stuff in there about how we all need to get along with each other in the church. How we all need to get along and, and help each other out and how it'd be good if we were nicer to each other. He wrote this one thing in the letter, I remember. He wrote this thing where he said, count others more significant than yourselves. That's exactly how they said it. Count others more significant than yourselves. And then he said that we should all be of the same mind and that we should have the mind of Christ. Well, I mean, I get the point. You know, I get the point. It's important that we all get along with each other and we all treat each other right. But to be honest, he, he just got to meddling a little bit after a while. 
I shouldn't talk about this, but we've had some problems down there at the church there in Philippi. We, we've had some problems as of late, and yeah, you know, I shouldn't talk about it, but it all comes down to these two old gals down at the church that just can't seem to get along. There's Eunice and there's Cindy. And it, what? No, not that Cindy. That Cindy's really nice. That's not her. It's a different Cindy. So it's Eunice and No, not that Cindy either. That She's going to be a grandma soon. This is a different scene. So Eunice, no, it's not that Cindy either. Let me just, let me just finish the story. Now, Eunice and Cindy, I got to say this, they, and I mean this in the best way, they're both real ramrods down at the church. They, I mean, they get stuff done. I mean, they get stuff done. But lately, all they've been ramrodding is their heads together. They can't seem to agree on anything. And it's starting to affect the whole church. They can't agree on anything. They, they couldn't agree on what color carpet to put in our sanctuary. Wait a minute, they didn't have carpet back then. They couldn't agree on what kind of tile to put down on the mosaic on the floor in our sanctuary. They can't agree on what to serve at the love feast. They can't even agree on what songs we ought to sing during our worship time. They just can't seem to agree on anything. And it's like I said, Paul... Paul, in that letter there, he, he took to meddling. And he took to telling us, I mean, he told, I mean, he told us to tell them that we need to help them agree with each other. We need to help Eunice and Cindy to agree with each other. Can you imagine that? We need to help these two old gals agree with each other. That, that, that's what he wrote. That's what he told us to do. He wrote, I want them to agree in the Lord. Now, here's the funny thing. Paul didn't say that Eunice needs to agree with Cindy because Cindy's right. And he didn't say that Cindy needs to agree with Eunice because Eunice is right. He didn't even say they both need to agree with him because he's right and they're both wrong. All he said was that they need to agree with each other. I mean, it's almost like agreeing is more important than being right. Is that right? Could, could that be even be right? And then he told the rest of us that we need to help them to agree because, because our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, just like their names. Our names are written in the Book of Life. I mean, how are we supposed to do that? How do you help people agree when they can't even agree with each other? Now, I'm going to be real honest with you. I'm on Team Cindy, Okay. I mean, nothing against old Eunice, but me and Cindy, we tend to see things eye to eye. I tend to agree with old Cindy on a lot of things. You remember a couple years ago when the plague went around and everybody got all up in arms about how we ought to treat the plague? Old Cindy and I, we saw things the same way, and I'm always going to agree with Cindy. But you know, if I'm supposed to help them agree with each other, if I'm supposed to help them agree, then then I mean, that may mean that I need to lay my preferences down, my own preferences down, even when it's not my disagreement. I, I might need to stop insisting on having things my way. You know, now that I think about it, it's, well, it's kind of like what Paul wrote earlier in that letter. He said that we should complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, and being of full accord and of one mind. You know, now that I think about it, he done already told us to do that. 
And then telling us about Eunice and Cindy, he's just showing us what that's going to look like. What that's going to look like even when it's hard. What it's going to look like when friends just weren't friends anymore. And it seems to me that if we're going to have that kind of unity, we're going to have that kind of harmony, it's going to take all of us working together. And it's even going to take us working on it for each other. So he tells us we got to help these two old gals agree. And then... After he tells us to help these two old gals agree, it's like he went and changed, he went and just changed gears all of a sudden because right after he told us to help these two gals agree, he went and he wrote this, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. We just love that part. I gotta tell you, we started, we started just all repeating that part. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, and then all of a sudden we just started making up a song right then and there. We all started singing the song together. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. You do it like this. Here, just do what I do. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. You gotta do that with your hands when you do it too. Rejoice in the Lord always. Oh, Always? Even, even when friends aren't friends no more? Even when Eunice and Cindy can't, can't get along and they've just about torn the church apart? Rejoice even when, even when we can't get along with each other? How are, we supposed to, how are we supposed to help people get along? How are we supposed to rejoice in the Lord? Always. How are we supposed to do that? It was right then and there. It was right then in the letter, right then, that he told us we were supposed to agree with each other, help them agree with each other. And then he told us that we all, all of us, need to be reasonable with each other. Right after telling us to rejoice in the Lord always, Paul went and he wrote, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Well, no, I don't know what that means. I mean, what, what's reasonableness even look like? What does that even mean? I'm not sure I'd recognize reasonableness today. There's nothing reasonable happening in our world. I mean, you got those, you got those senators back in Rome, and they're just making a mess of the whole empire. And then right here, we got all kinds of problems. Have you seen the price of camel feed lately? I don't know how Baker's going to keep enough feed in that camel that he's got now. And we got all kinds of problems right here. And we're supposed to be reasonable and let everyone see our reasonableness? Well, when he said that part, when he read that part, I must have looked right perplexed because I didn't know what reasonableness meant. And this one old fellow sitting next to me, he nudges me and he says, he means magnanimous. Well, I got to tell you, if I don't know what reasonableness means, I'm not going to know what magnanimous is, right? I don't know what magnanimity magnanimity is and this one sweet old gal sitting next to me she tapped me on the shoulder and she said he means sweet reasonableness sweet reasonableness you know i kind of understand that sweet reasonableness you know every now and then every now and then we can get a little petty about our disagreements and we we can think that our our view is more important than someone else's view and we can get a little petty and we can just kind of hold those little petty things inside of us until they start getting bigger and bigger and they start festering and festering and pretty soon they all come out as all kinds of ugliness. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Reasonableness, you know. You know what? I have heard that word before. I remember it from when I was in school. I, yes, I went to school. 
I, I was in school. I'm not a Mesopotamian bumpkin. I went to school, and I remember hearing that word reasonable. That was in Aristotle class. Did you take Aristotle class when you were in school? I took Aristotle class, and Aristotle said that word reasonable. And Aristotle said that reasonableness is a generous treatment of others, which, while demanding equity, does not insist on the letter of the law. Well, in other words... Everyone's worthy of our respect. Everyone is worthy of our respect, even when we don't agree with them. That's what we're supposed to remind Eunice and Cindy of. That's what we all need to remember. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. And then Paul turned around right after that. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. And then he said, the Lord is at hand. I got all excited when he said that. The Lord is at hand. I thought, does he mean Jesus? Does he mean Jesus is here right now? And I, I started looking around and... No, that's not what he meant. Uh, but I wondered what he did mean. The Lord is at hand. Does he mean that Jesus is coming back soon? I sure hope he is. I sure hope Jesus is coming back soon. Or did he mean that somehow Jesus is close by to each one of us and that when we are reasonable with each other, when we're helping each other agree that we're showing each other that Jesus is close to us. You know, again, it, it's kind of like something that Paul wrote earlier in that letter. Earlier in the letter, he threw in a song that we sang down at church sometimes. It's a song all about Jesus and how Jesus came to earth. The, the song says that even though he was in the form of God, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. So he emptied himself taking on the form of a servant and being found in likeness of men. In other words, Jesus became just like us. He came near to us. And maybe as we learn to love each other like Him and, and as we show our reasonableness to everyone, it's a reminder that Jesus is near to us and because we can see Jesus in each other. You know, it was right there in that part of the letter. It was right there in that part where Paul wrote, do not be anxious about anything. Boy, I needed to hear that. I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm kind of an anxious fella. I've always been a bit of an anxious kind of fella. I'm naturally anxious. Yeah, but I think what Paul was trying to say is maybe if we all acted reasonable with each other, maybe then we wouldn't be as anxious about the stuff that's happening around us, stuff that we can't control anyway. Maybe we wouldn't be as anxious about the stuff happening in the world. Maybe if we showed each other that Jesus is near, we'd have a lot more to be thankful for. And maybe instead of getting all worked up and divided about this and that, maybe instead we'd have, we'd have peace. Peace enough to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Maybe even peace enough for us to be able to rejoice in the Lord always. So he told us, he told us we need to help Eunice and Cindy to agree with each other. We need to be reasonable with everyone. And then he told us that we need to think about the good stuff. We need to think about good stuff in our minds. So here's Paul telling us to help Eunice and Cindy to get along with each other. And then he tells us all, we all got to rejoice even when we don't get along with each other. And we all need to treat each other reasonable. We need to be agreeable even when we don't agree on everything. And none of, that's, none of that's easy. And then he went and wrote, let me think about it, how did he put it? He went and wrote, finally, brothers, whatever is true, 
whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Well, I, I know it was nice. I mean, it sounded nice. It, it, it was nice, but how could I think about those things when old Eunice and Cindy are out there getting into a fist fight in the vestibule? How can I think about those things? How can I think about what's lovely when all I can think about is the price of camel feed? How can I think about what is true and what is honorable when all I can think about is them crooks back in, uh, back in Rome just messing everything up? But you know, it occurs to me that when I think about those things that get me angry, when I think about those things that are happening all around us, the things that get me angry, things that really get my hackles up, when I think about those, it don't do me a bit of good at all. None of me getting angry and worked up about those things helps, and all it does is make me feel more miserable. And then I think about old Eunice and Cindy. You know, back when my family caught the plague last year and we had to stay home for about 10 days, Oh, Eunice and Cindy, they both brought food and left it on our porch. And the last time the Apostle Paul was here in town, he, they, took care of, they took turns taking care of Paul. In fact, Paul said that they labored side by side with him. Can you imagine that? All they did was take care of him and all they did was feed us. But he said it's like they were working side by side with an apostle. Someone out planting churches. Someone out writing books and letters to other churches. Can you imagine... They were doing work just as important as him. You know, it's kind of like something else that Paul wrote earlier in that letter. Paul wrote earlier in that letter, he said, do everything without grumbling or disputing. You know what occurs to me right now? It occurs to me that me coming down here and complaining about the Romans and me coming down here complaining about the price of camel feed, and even me coming down here telling you all about Eunice and Cindy and complaining about those two gals, that's not helping anyone. It's certainly not helping me. And when I take sides, when I take sides, even though I'm partial to Cindy, I'm telling you, I'm partial to Cindy. When I take sides, that's, that's not helping anyone feel like Jesus is closer to the situation. When Maybe if I... Maybe if I think about the things that are honorable instead, if I think about the things that are just, if I think about the things that are excellent, the things that are worthy of praise, it might be easier for me to rejoice in the Lord always if I think about those things. It might even be easier for me to be reasonable with everyone if I'm thinking about those things and I think there's a good chance that everybody would know, even through my attitude, everybody would know that the Lord is near. You know, it wasn't just what, it wasn't just what Paul was asking us to do or, or asking us to help other people to do or, or, or even the things he was asking us to think about. It's the thing that Paul was promising us that really got to me. Because Paul was promising us that if we think about these things and if we do the things that he taught us to do, he promised us that the God of peace would be with us. And that's the only way that we can have that promise that the God of peace will be with us. I think I need that. I think I need that promise. I think I need that promise more than I want to complain about the government. I think I need that promise in my life more than I want things my own way. I even, I think I even want the peace of God in my life more than I want this hot black drink every morning. 
Don't, don't let me get carried away about that last part, though. You know what occurs to me right now? It occurs to me that when Paul said, the Lord is at hand. Well, he was saying that for each of us, for each one of us, by our attitudes, by the way that we love each other, we need to prove that to each other. We, we need to prove that the Lord is at hand so that when someone's hurting, we go out and we, we help them. Because when we do, they know it's not just us helping them, they know that the Lord is at hand. And when people can't get along with each other, instead of us egging them on and, and keeping that fight going, making things worse, they suddenly realize that, that Jesus is right there with them when we help them get along with each other. They realize that Jesus is right there with them, loving them and bringing them back together. And when I choose to focus and think about things that are honorable and true and pure and, and, and lovely, well, I end up showing people the love of Jesus rather than my own grumbling and my own complaining and disputing. I guess what I'm saying is this. For me, it comes down to this. When I keep my eyes on Jesus, I help other people do the same. When I keep my eyes on Jesus, I help others do the same. Now, that, that doesn't sound easy, does it? None of that sounds easy. But if we each did that for each other, if we each did that for each other, if we keep our eyes on Jesus, we'd all see him more clearly in each other. The Lord is at hand. Paul wrote, the Lord is at hand. Well, you know, since, since the Lord is at hand, I'm going to make sure I keep my eyes on him. And I'm going to help other people do the same. Well, it's been, it's been real good. You know, you're, you're not much of a conversationalist. You, you really ought to work on that. It's just like I gave you lots of openings to talk to and you didn't hardly say a thing. Anyway, I think I'm going to go get me another, uh, another refill on this here hot black drink and maybe another tug off of that goat out back. And, and then I think I'm going to go help old Baker to move his camel because that is kind of a tight spot and I think maybe I could help him out. But it's been really good vision with you this morning. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. <laughs> you know, um, some days communion is easy. Some days communion just comes down to a prayer, a song, a cracker, and a and a cup, and we call that communion, and and that's good enough. Some days communion is hard. Some days communion comes down to helping two friends agree with each other when they can't agree with each other on their own. Some days communion involves laying aside conversations about the problems in the world and things that we can't fix, and instead concentrating on the things that fix us, things that are honorable, things that are pure, things that are lovely, things that are worthy of praise. Some days communion is, is so easy, we just sit in our seats and we do it. And some days, well, we haven't done it in a long time, it means getting up and going and sitting with someone who may be having a rough time and letting them know not only you're there next to them, but letting them know the Lord is at hand. And He knows your pain. He knows what you're feeling. We haven't done that in a long time. And I think COVID has kind of taken that from us. But I think today would be a wonderful day if there's somebody that needs your presence, if there's somebody who needs you to come near and to remind them that Jesus is near.
Maybe today's a good day to go sit with that person. Maybe this is a good day to take communion with them, to help them to, to keep their eyes on Jesus. And if we all keep our eyes on Jesus, we'll help each other do the same. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing a song about keeping our eyes on Jesus. And then we'll take communion together. Let's pray. Father, we praise you. We thank you for, thank you for the message of Philippians. Lord, there's so much joy. There's so much to rejoice about in that letter, and there's so much that should break our hearts together. And Lord, the, the reality is there are times when differences pull us apart. And yet Paul's encouragement again and again is to let the presence of Jesus bind us together. That we would care for each other in our, in our hurts and care for each other in the midst of our pain. Lord, that's communion. That's what we do together. We thank you for the bread that reminds us of the body broken for us. We thank you for the cup that reminds us that blood was shed so that we might, we might be family, so that we might be one. Oh Lord, help us. There'll be days when we don't want to rejoice in the Lord always. But I pray the love that we bring to each other. We call each other to see that you are always near. Thank you for coming near. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.